0: Seinfeld, the Cheever Letters is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who have taken all of the plot points for this episode and have laid them all out for you, (laughs) (laughs) or that uh, our mothers laid them all out for you. Uh, Here we go. It's uh, Rob Sestrino and Keeva Winokur. Keeva, how are you?
1: Oh, God. I'm, I'm doing well.
0: Yes. All right. Cheever Letters.
1: Yeah, you know, my, my first comment about The Cheever Letters, worst name of any episode in the whole canon.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a departure where, you know, it, was there already an episode of The Letter? Like, I feel like The Letters or... No, there's a,
1: there, we've had The Note already.
0: The Note. But I feel like they're all sort of like an abstract thing. And then mm-hmm. this is, you know, a super specific thing of The Cheever Letters.
1: And it, and it happens late in the episode, so it's like a little bit of a spoiler also.
0: A little bit of a spoiler on the episode. What would you rename this episode?
1: So I've been thinking about this. Okay. Um, I think it would be a more popular episode if it had a different name. I was thinking, can you name it The Panties?
0: No, but I think you can okay. name it The Dirty Talk or something like that.
1: Yeah, like- I, that's, so that was my other option. I think The Dirty Talk, and this is a much more fondly remembered episode if you name it the dirty
0: well talk. you know i really feel like the dirty talk would be the superior name because not only does it apply to the jerry storyline but also to what is going on in the Cheever letters
1: uh yeah i think i i think it works on uh, on on every oh, but yeah I, i'm incorrect we, we did have the letter already that's the elaine thing off her baseball hat i'm okay. sorry you were correct
0: so but i feel like the dirty talk really would be uh one it's salacious people would be like flipping through the TV guide. Oh, Seinfeld, the Dirty Talk. Got to tune in for that one. Then you also have it applies to the Jerry storyline. It applies to the Cheever letters that get read because uh, those are quite uh dirty as well. So I think the Dirty Talk, Uh, this should be like parentheses, the Dirty Talk.
1: Yeah, they, I think now, even if they retroactively rename it, I think it would the episode would become more popular.
0: Right, because what was the other episode where it was the Keith Hernandez episode where it's like the boyfriend or the... The guy, best friend, what is it?
1: Yeah, I think uh, right. It, it started out kind of being called the new friend, it, and it sort of transformed to the boyfriend.
0: Okay, that's what they should do with this. Is it? It's not too late. <laughs> Maybe it's too late. You know, twenty-two years later to go back and rename the episode. But who knows? Akiva, how are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh,
0: I'm doing very good. Very excited. I have uh, a, uh, I have a water cooler now. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm really pumped up about this.
1: It's for, you know, you were too lazy to walk downstairs and get water.
0: That's right. Yeah, but You don't
1: have a fridge up in your office yet, do you? No, no, no fridge up here. Do you think that is that the next step?
0: Mm, I don't know. I I don't want to run the electricity on another refrigerator.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I understand because you need cold water and it's going to be hot. It's the summer. I do think that uh, that like eventually you're just going to you know, you're going to you're going to turn 40 soon. You're going to want a fridge up. there. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Kiva as a dose of reality. It, really, I like
0: to have a hot water. I like the hot water.
1: Oh, is uh, that what it's for? Do you drink coffee?
0: No, I like to have tea. You do all this podcasting. I like to have some like uh, like hot water to uh, keep it going.
1: Oh, so this is for your voice.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, uh, convenience and that too. Yeah. I spend a lot of time standing over a tea kettle.
1: Yeah. I have the worst of both worlds because my wife, I wanted a fridge back here in my office. My wife put a freezer, like a standing freezer in here, which is useless. Like, what am I going to do ice with cream. the freezer? I guess. But the ice cream's in the in the main fridge in the kitchen. Get your own She's ice cream. She's too smart for that. Get your own ice cream. Bring it in there. Yeah, she'd, she'd catch me. That would be it. She, uh, <laughs> that would be Plus, it? I'd have to go shopping. And you know I've never done that.
0: <laughs> All right. And you don't like any chocolate either. so
1: I, That's right. Only vanilla ice cream for me. Or strawberry.
0: Okay. So, Akiva... Uh, we're going to talk about the Cheever letters uh, here today. Before we get into the Cheever letters, do you have any Seinfeld-related news?
1: Jerry uh, gave an interview a week or two ago, and he said uh, he said he had a couple comments that really got picked up. Uh, not so much by the mainstream media, but more kind of like the internet, like angry mob media. And uh, I'll read to you what he <laughs> said. What he said, and uh, I'm interested in hearing your opinion. Okay. So the longer thing was just about like how people now could become celebrities on their own. Got it. Uh, you know, without their own show, without, you know, without being picked up by, uh, you know, Russell Dalrymple at NBC. Got it. So uh, Seinfeld, when asked about less professional content, said the less, the better. I don't want to see this crap. We have a giant garbage can called YouTube for user generated content. We're trying to generate a little higher level. He's here. year. He's talking about comedians and cars getting coffee, I assume. Yeah, I think show business is for talent. That's who should be in it. But let's keep it in its hierarchy. And I like being at the top of the pyramid.
0: Okay. Well, you know, I just think that Jerry's of a different time and a different age where, you know, for Jerry to make it in doing what, what he did. And, and how old is Jerry?
1: 60? Yeah, I think he just turned 60. Yeah.
0: And, you know, for he had to really go out there and, you know, make his bones and go out there and like go to this comedy club night after night after night. And it was hard. And I mean the fact of the matter is it is a much easier road to success um in today's world than in the you know comedy club era of the 19 you know 70s and 80s but that being said you know there's still hard work that is rewarded you know it's it's not as long of a process and you can become an instant you know celebrity or uh, you know have instant success, quote unquote, a lot faster than you did back then. But I just don't think that, you know, it's Jerry having his finger on the pulse of exactly what's going on uh, in today's world.
1: Yeah. And I do think as Jerry gets older, uh, you know, he may he, he because he doesn't care what people think. We may have a bunch of these segments where Jerry's saying something that's offending people.
0: Yeah. So what are you what are you going to do? I mean, uh, Howard Stern recently had like a whole rant about podcasting and how podcasting is, it, you know, is for losers and, and stuff like that. And you know, it just makes guys like that sound older than they than they probably want to sound. Like, right? You know, I mean,
1: how how many podcasts has Howard Stern listened to? I, I the over unders a half.
0: Yeah, and sure is. Is there absolute garbage on YouTube? Absolutely, and I've probably been responsible <laughs> for a fair portion of it, but. That being said, you know, you can't just write off the medium and sound like, you know, that's like, you know, somebody in like 1950 talk about like, I'll tell you what's a real waste of time, television that, you know, the people watching God knows what on there. I like the theater where I'm at the top of the world. You know, it's just you, you can't you can't say stuff like that.
1: No, I agree. And and comedian cars getting coffee has very high production values, but it's not like networks are lining up to put it on their airwaves.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, for a guy who's doing a web series, like I think that's a bad move to sort of to call call
1: right. YouTube,
0: you know, just because comedians and cars getting coffee isn't a show that gets like viral views and stuff like that. Like it probably how many people it does it get a million views, probably if it's lucky or two million views, whereas, you know, you know, cat falling down the stairs might have 300 million views. But what are you going to do? That, I mean, that's just how it is.
1: Yeah, all right, so Jerry's a little uh, old-fashioned.
0: Old-fashioned. Okay. Anything else from this week? Uh, that's about it. Okay. So Jerry starts off this episode, uh, The Cheever Letters, and The Cheever Letters, of course, is from October 28, 1992, uh, written by Larry David, Elaine Pope, and Tom Leopold. And it starts off with Jerry talking about how people treat their office like a stationary store with Danish.
1: Were you like this when you worked in an office? Were you just always worried about, like, uh, you know, where's your coffee coming from, like the free snacks in the kitchen?
0: I mean, a little bit. Not so much the stealing stationery. I, I never really worked for, like, a big company where it was like, oh, let me fill up my, you know, pens and stuff like that. Like, my grandfather, though, I feel like when I was, like, a kid, like, he used to like come home with like all this reams of paper and pens and stuff like that. Like, I think that definitely that was an older thing. Now I feel like more and more, you know, companies, you know, as they are more concerned with budgets like that, like I feel like this happens less and less.
1: Yeah, you don't want to seem like that guy who, uh, you know, who's at work. Like we would get, at NBC, we would get like, uh, you know, catering. and, And at home, I can eat like four bowls of cereal for breakfast. But I don't want to be that guy walking through the hallway with, you know, uh, with like four... They, they give you the mini boxes. Yeah. The cereal mini boxes. I don't want to be like that guy walking through the hallway with like four, you know, Frosted Flakes and Captain Crunches. So actually what I used to do is I would like kind of bring a like a bag and then I throw them in the bag. I wasn't taking anything home. That's stealing in my opinion. But I was just eating a lot of food. But you don't want to be like that guy who everyone thinks is just like hoarding.
0: Yeah, I think you can eat what you want. I don't really have a big problem with that. I just think that taking the stationary, I feel like in 2015... That is more of a uh, you know it's a it's a worse crime I think than it was in it's just like the kind of thing where if you ended up getting fired for taking a box of paper clips was it worth it?
1: No, we would be on the air on Sunday and they'd have like the Saturday Night Live scripts lying around. Oh, and I'd always want to take one home because that's a super cool uh, like memento. And also they would a lot of times because the show is live, you know, a lot of times there would be um, like a, a sketch in there that didn't make the air. Yeah. You know, so like so sometimes I'd you know come in nine in the morning, I'd be like reading it. But I always I never took one cuz I would always think like even though there's 20 of them like maybe they're tracked, maybe some guy's going to see me. You know, there's hundreds of cameras in the building and like you want to get fired for like putting a script in your bag? So I I'm too nervous right. for that sort of thing. You
0: know, in the pre-camera world of like the 19, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, sure. I think taking the office supplies was just like a victimless crime, but you know, now, and I feel like more and more companies are small businesses and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's not as good as it used to be. Yeah. All right. Let's get into talking about the episode. And so Jerry and George uh, start off and they're talking about basically recapping the events of the last episode.
1: Yeah, it's weird how they do this. They basically have Jerry retell what j- just happened. And George obviously knows what happened because he was there. But he says it out loud to George so it makes sense to the viewer without doing a previously on Seinfeld like they did a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah, because George and Susan need to tell Susan's dad about the cabin and Jerry does so wait. So you're telling me that the, the cabin that burnt down from the cigars that he gave you that you gave to Kramer uh, like does a whole big thing. And George's like, yes, yes, yes. And George doesn't see the humor in it uh, in in all of the exposition that Jerry is putting out there.
1: Yeah, and I'd be interested. I don't remember how the next episode starts I, in terms of if there's a previously on Seinfeld. But I'd be interested in if they go back to that. If It would be funny if they keep doing it. Like, Jerry just keeps building on the story in the first scene of every episode.
0: Now, in this episode, we finally see Jerry and George start writing the episode. And I feel like this is a lot of meta humor from the writers about how they go about the writing process.
1: Yeah, but first of all, you know, probably the first few words are the hardest to put on the page. And George is not a writer at all. And Jerry's a comedian, but he's also not a television writer. Mm -hmm. So while I'm sure it's an inside joke for them, it's also, you know, it it definitely rings true.
0: Right. But the way that they're going about writing the episode is totally ass backwards and isn't the way that anybody would write something like this. You know, you don't write a, a episode of a TV show or a movie like you're writing like a letter and go line by line, like you would start with sort of the big picture of what is this story about? What are we, What what's happening in this episode? And they haven't even like broken an outline for this episode.
1: Right, but it is about nothing. So that, <laughs> I guess that's the counter to what you're I saying. I guess
0: so. But you would think that it, even though it's about nothing, they would have to say, okay, it's a show about nothing, but today it's, uh you know, a day where Jerry's going to go to the coffee shop or whatever. Like they don't have anything.
1: Yeah, they have writer's block. They They got nothing. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And really, I feel like this storyline doesn't go really anywhere over the course of the episode. I know that's part of the joke, but uh, it's just a, a little repetitive.
1: Yeah, they probably could have cut out one of those scenes.
0: Okay. So we end up where they are trying to procrastinate, and God knows I can relate to this. And they say, Oh, well, weren't you supposed to call Elaine? Like, yes, and so anything to not be writing. So Jerry calls up Elaine's office and gets Elaine's secretary, Sandra. Uh- so Elaine yeah. has a... Her assistant,
1: secretary?
0: yeah. Wow, Elaine's From moved up in the world.
1: Yeah, since we last saw her at Pendant, she's really uh, moved a lot of places.
0: Yes, because what was her role at Pendant previously?
1: I think she was just like, wasn't she just like a low-level editor of some kind?
0: Yeah, well, now she has an assistant.
1: Sandra. I mean, I, I think she goes away. It's just really just for just to f- facilitate this story. It also, it's also possible, like, everyone has an assistant. Like, there's a whole bank of people who have an assistant, right?
0: Everybody has an assistant or the assistant saying, is the I'm assistant saying, for many people.
1: Yeah. I, what you said that okay. there's like six people share one assistant.
0: Got it. All right. Well, here's Sandra and she apparently likes to chat with Jerry.
1: Uh, yeah. I think everyone, everyone knows like the people, you know, like this, that you can't get off the phone no matter what you do.
0: Yeah. That's definitely a thing that happens. And so Jerry talks about how annoying this is. And finally he gets on the phone with Elaine and says, can you just tell her that, you know, cut to the chase that is just you know is there any way I could not talk to her for so long
1: which is weird also because we just saw him talk to her and it was like two seconds right
0: yeah it really wasn't that long they didn't really show us her like going on and on Jerry had to pretend he was on a pay phone and so I guess his ruse worked on her
1: yeah I mean but next time just call and say it's an emergency
0: oh that's good call every time it's an emergency yep okay maybe he should tell her that he's like an EMT
1: uh and then he's doing what I'm on my way to a hospital. Like, uh, is Elaine there? I just need to give her a message, or is he, like, uh, yeah, well, is he giving her medical advice?
0: Occupation is he going to have where it's always an emergency?
1: Well, maybe he has to tell her something that's urgent.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, every time, though?
1: I mean, obviously, the jig is going to be up after a while, but at least, you know, get your <laughs> cracks in where you don't have to speak You're to You're a Sandra carpe diem
0: kind of guy, Akiva.
1: Yeah, yeah. Worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Rob. <laughs> Sandra could, uh, you know, could get fired. She could quit. She could, you know... uh sleep her way to the top and she's not your secretary anymore. Anything could happen.
0: Okay. So we end up with Jerry sort of breaking the news to Elaine. Like, hey, she talks my ear off. And then like right after she gets on the phone, Elaine says to Sandra, hey, could you just uh, get my friends to me quicker about this? And she realizes obviously that something is wrong. Jerry said something.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no other way around it, right? I, I think there's a deleted scene where she's like, they're trying to figure out more like how... You know, like, did Jerry tell you or whatever? But, but you know, the point is, uh, you know, J- Jerry obviously said something right there. And, uh, but she's, like, super sensitive about it.
0: Yeah, but Elaine did a bad job.
1: Oh, yeah. You have to wait, like, a week after this happens. It's not like Jerry's calling every five minutes. Right. Wait, and then when it's a not obvious time, just say, like, hey, you really got to get them faster.
0: Yeah. Okay, so Sandra gets so upset that she ultimately ends up quitting
1: seems pretty drastic of it just because somebody you know said stop speaking on the phone to my friends for so long yeah
0: well i guess hey it's hammer time i guess it's pretty easy to find another job
1: was it was it easy to find a job in uh in in, in you know 23 years ago
0: i don't know i don't know i feel like that seems like a really crazy rash move to quit over this
1: i mean george we've seen george quit for less but i think uh she'll probably regret it tomorrow
0: okay and I like when Elaine is trying to apologize and say like, no, don't you understand? It's Jerry. He's under a lot of pressure. He's a comedian. Sometimes they don't laugh.
1: I mean, that's her. I guess that's her view of like comics. She's probably been to his shows where nobody left.
0: Yeah. So Kramer comes into the apartment with Jerry and George. He's like, okay, so no more golf because he doesn't
1: have the cigars, Akiva. Uh, yeah, he lost the cigars even though he ran back in. Clearly he didn't get them.
0: Yeah. And Kramer wants to know if George can get more Cuban cigars from Susan's father.
1: I, I do like that Kramer has no. It's not like they all burned down the cabin, you know. Mm-hmm. Kramer single handedly burned down this cabin that he was not invited to. Yes, like there, he Kramer could be in jail right now. If you technically think that. he was invited, he was invited, but he showed up, basically trespassed, and then he burned down the cabin uh, yes. with his cigar. Like he's lucky he's not in jail.
0: That is true, I guess so. Uh, but it, it, are you, can you go to jail if it's like an accident? Like I know if you're like accidentally like hit somebody with your car, yeah, you can get in trouble for that. But if you accidentally go ahead and you know burn down somebody's house, is that can you get in trouble for that?
1: So you're saying this is more of a civil suit Kramer's facing here?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the law, Akiva. I'm no Jackie Childs.
1: We got to get Chester in on this.
0: Okay. Chester, let us know what the how culpable uh, in the court of law, in the eyes of the law, is Kramer. Um, so I like that Kramer's asking for cigars and George is like, Yeah, you burnt down his cabin with the cigars. <laughs> and Kramer's like, so what does one thing have to do with the other?
1: <laughs> yeah, he I mean he's got not only does he have no remorse, he just he doesn't even understand.
0: Yes. And Kramer, he's in a little bit of a pickle because he can't go back to the public courses. He needs to go to Westchester and play on the private courses. He can't go back with the public.
1: It's like uh, flying first class, right? Once you fly first class a couple times, you're not going back to coach. You'd rather walk.
0: So George and Susan, now we see them at dinner with Susan's parents. First time we see Susan's parents.
1: Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. We, we actually, you know, we remember them as main characters maybe more than they are. Uh, we only see them uh, five times a piece. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. So here they are. First appearance. They keep the same actors all the way through. So good on that. Yeah. Okay. And so the first thing we hear about is how doesn't George look like the sister of uh, Mr. Ross?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, which is pretty funny. I do. And we, of course, we meet the sister later.
0: Yes. Which is doubly funny. I didn't remember that.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, do you think he looks like her though?
0: (laughs) I mean, I guess there is some resemblance. They both have glasses.
1: They have glasses, they have like a sim- similarly shaped face, but they don't really look... You think they cast a woman who looks a little bit like Jason Alexander? I
0: think that they did. I think it wasn't like... They didn't have like a blonde woman, like with curly, like flowing hair in the wheelchair.
1: Right. But I, you know, that's a pretty tough... Even if you're seeing a thousand actresses for the role, that's yeah. a tough get to find I, someone who I looks mean, exactly like she like
0: a woman, Jason Alexander, but I mean, it's no. funny that they cast a woman... With, like, you know, dark hair and glasses that are similar to George. Or they put glasses on her that, like, were similar to George.
1: Yeah, they should have cast, like, uh, George's real aunt. Jason's real aunt or something.
0: <laughs> okay, so, Mr. Ross is asking George how it's, the cigars. It's uh, all very tense and uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're crazy people. Like, they really, you know, the Rosses make it count. You know, you remember all the episodes with the Rosses, Like, the foundation where, you know, they're... They, you know, they do the thing in Susan's memory like they really are more over the top than even George's parents.
0: Yeah. And George is really trying to uh, suck kneecaps with Mr. Ross. Like basically anything he's saying, George is really just like uh, jumping in. He's asking him, like, oh, how are those cigars? Like, oh, sucking them down. He's sucking them down. And then they ask, you know, uh, he they say something about like he's laughing and he doesn't laugh. And George's like, well, what's the point of laughing? Really? Like you make a noise. Ha ha ha. What does that
1: mean? Yeah, Mr. Ross would really get along with Alton Bennett. He really has no sense of humor.
0: Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. And uh, George, uncomfortable, is great.
1: Uh, yeah, you feel it. it. Like, as an audience, you really feel when George is, like, squirming.
0: Yeah. What do you like better, when George is super uncomfortable or when George is, like, overconfident and smug?
1: Well, I do like when he's smug because he's getting, he's getting you know, uh, struck down pretty quickly. <laughs> but I, 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 you feel it when George is uncomfortable. Like, you know, Jason Alexander is such a good actor that you, you know, you feel squirmish yourself.
0: Yeah. Um, There's a line that Mr. Ross says to Mrs. Ross that like she says something and he's like, uh, why don't you go wear some more lipstick? (laughs) Like, it's very tense, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's they almost went. I mean, they did. They went like cartoonish and over the top more than they normally do with their relationship. Like there is nothing like they hate each other.
0: Yeah. Well. Apparently that she's no John Cheever.
1: Right. She's no John Cheever. I guess now we realize they had more deep seated issues than we initially thought. But, you know, she I granted she's drunk. But when she finds out the cabin burned down, she's like thrilled about it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's how this part of the scene ends where uh, Mr. Ross asks, uh, how do you like the cabin? Then we cut to Jerry and Elaine. And, you know, they're talking in Jerry's apartment about how Elaine screwed up. And then ultimately they get Sandra on the phone and Jerry has to call her to apologize.
1: Yeah. And I have to say, this is a really good save by Jerry also. Akiva, how does Jerry save this? Yeah, right. He says, uh, you don't understand. Like there's been a misunderstanding. I told Elaine that talking to you was a real treat, but she thought I was being sarcastic because I'm a comedian. So then it would sound like, oh yeah, that was a real treat. Yeah. So you think this was pretty good. That's as far as it goes on the fly. That's a very good save. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think so too. And so she wants to have a drink and Elaine's like, go, go, go have a drink with her. And it's funny because Jerry is like, you know, phone Jerry and then realize he's like, I don't want to go have a drink with her. Like,
1: yes, sure. I'd love to. Let's go. Yeah. And he's not much of a drinker anyway. He's not like the bar type. Yeah. He doesn't want to go have his drink is coffee. No, no him. Yes.
0: Okay. And then Jerry ends up uh, off to go have a drink with Sandra. All right. So we go back to Susan's house and more uncomfortable uh, stuff coming because I feel like this always happens on Seinfeld. Like when, when somebody has to break bad news about something, the other character always will go into some monologue about how important that thing was that they have to tell them is gone.
1: Uh, yeah, totally. I think, you know, they have to raise the stakes because all we know about the cabin is that his dad built in the, in the forties. We don't know, you know, he's got to really play up how important it was to his family. And it's actually one of the best parts of the episode.
0: Yes. So, Susan's dad loved the cabin, that his mom uh, died at the cabin. His last words from his dad were, cherish the cabin. Uh, Uh, And one day he's going to pass it on to Susan.
1: Yeah, that's her inheritance.
0: (laughs) And also there's a point where Mrs. Ross spills wine on herself also.
1: Yeah, she's completely uh, uh, blitzed in this episode. (laughs) She really is. She's toasted.
0: And so they're trying to get the words out about what happened to the cabin. And George just blurts out, uh, it's burned.
1: Yeah, you you know, he's ripping off the Band-Aid here. I think, uh, you know, they've already been beating around the bush too much. Like, the more he talks about the cabin, the more he's becoming attached to it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, it's sort of funny that George just keeps blurting it out, you know, uh, that, you know, what do you mean there was a fire? Like, it's burned. Burned.
1: (laughs) Is anything left? No, all gone.
0: Burned. All right. So, now we cut back to Jerry's apartment, and he is there with Sandra, and apparently, she is upset. And she can't believe... That he said what he
1: said. Yeah, and the, you know, Sandra was really dressed uh, to have a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looked like it was uh, going to be a fun night, but um, Jerry said something. She can't believe that he said it, and she's leaving, and Jerry's saying, like, this is just between us, right? Jerry is very concerned with this getting back to Elaine.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jerry. it's funny, because he doesn't normally care so much about what people think, but he knows Elaine. He knows she's going to lure this over him.
0: Yeah, the whole thing is he's got to keep this away from Elaine. But Sandra is going to ultimately uh, walk off and uh, not give him any sort of closure about this. So we go to Jerry and George in the diner and Jerry is telling the story what happened that he was out for the drinks with Sandra and I guess she started touching his leg.
1: Yeah, and there are a lot of scenes like this, right, in the diner where George always wants details.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, details. You know, George
1: really, George wants to live vicariously through Jerry. Yeah. Right? So yeah. he loves this stuff. Like, say it slowly. You know, he's really into it.
0: Yeah. So basically, Jerry talks about how, you know, one thing led to another. She had the hand on the leg. And then ultimately, they go back to the apartment. And they start with the dirty talk. And Jerry, you know, there's the way that they do this is interesting. You don't hear what what uh, what Jerry says. Like, when, when she says, this is what Sandra said to Jerry. And George has a bottle of ketchup in his hand. And he's like, squirts the ketchup across the room. Akiva, do you like that or is that too slapstick?
1: It's very slapstick, but I think it's it works here. You know I, you know I don't like the slapstick and I like realism, but I, I do think there, it's so sudden and out of nowhere, it's funny.
0: Yeah. I like then after George, like, I'm going to need some water here. <laughs> <laughs> and so we find out that what Jerry said to her after whatever she said, uh, he said, uh, you mean the panties your mother laid out for you? So apparently... What she said was something about panties,
1: right? And and uh, and absolutely filthy, according to George.
0: Yeah. I mean, the mind can wander, but it's this is not that kind of podcast to, to to speculate on what Sandra might have said. That's right. That's right. That's right. We'll leave it. We will leave it to you guys, and and uh, maybe not even in the comments. Just not on in the your comments. on your own. <laughs> Feel free. Okay. So. We don't want to necessarily know. Tell George, tell Jason Alexander what was going on in your mind about Sandra's panties. And George is incredulous about the, you mean the panties your mother laid out for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is such a bizarre thing to say, you no? Know? Like, is it the filthiest thing ever? No. But like, where did that come into his mind?
0: Well, really, the part about her mother really uh, is the, <laughs> that that's the outlier here.
1: Yeah, it's almost like he's like, don't mention her mom. Don't mention her mom. And then he says this.
0: Yeah, it's like, does he know her mom? I feel like that would have been
1: worse. Right. I doubt it. I mean, he barely knows her.
0: Okay, so we end up going back to the apartment and getting back into the writing session. And we have a little bit of a breakthrough because they figure out that George should enter and then Jerry should say hi. Yeah.
1: And then he should respond with hello.
0: Yeah. And then Kramer comes in and. I, I love this also because I feel like it's very relatable that they don't want to work, but like, Kramer, come on, come on. And, Kramer, and the, for the first time ever, Kramer's like, oh, no, you guys are busy. Let me come back later.
1: Like, no, no. What do you mean? Right. It's, so, you know, it's the first time in Kramer's life he's ever done that. And yeah, it is funny. Right. You, it, it definitely still holds true. Like the fact that like, oh, yeah, we will do anything not to work. I will say in general, a working environment five feet from Kramer's house, probably not ideal.
0: It's not great. It's not great. And, you know, it is tough also, you know, to write with another person because, you know, you know, especially if both of you, both people are sort of like the people that are like wanting to procrastinate. Like, I feel like you need somebody who's going to be sort of the dictator who's going to say, no, we have to work. We can't stop. Uh, And if you have two people that are both lazy, I think that's really tough.
1: Yeah, I agree. Have you ever written, like, had a writing partner for something?
0: Yes. Yeah, I've done some stuff like that before. And it's, it's you know, it really is tricky and there's a lot of compromise. And it's almost like you need two people that are sort of, like, opposites, where it's, like, one person is really good with story and the other person is good with sort of the jokes. Like, it really works best when you sort of come at it, like, with somebody who's not really like yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of writing teams. I wonder how they do it, but... Uh... I mean, I guess it helps also if you're like, if you're like brothers or something, like one of the next episodes is written by the Farrelly brothers. Oh, okay. So, you know, like that's, that's a different thing where maybe like you really have like an unbreakable bond that's, you know, so you don't have to worry about like stepping on the other person's toes.
0: So Kramer is still trying to track down these cigars, Akiva.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I really, really doesn't get the point that like George is not going to be that conduit again.
0: <laughs> well, often Kramer doesn't get the point. He also has been kicked in
1: the head recently. That's true. Are yeah. we still? We're really giving him a pass on this concussion stuff.
0: Yeah, it's basically everything wacky that Kramer does the rest of the series. I'm going to chalk up to the
1: concussion. Oh, the, I thought you were just going to give him through season four. Then he's no, going to come back next series. year. Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Okay. So Kramer's going to take things uh, into his own hands. All right. So we have Jerry and Georgia still on the couch, and uh, they're going to uh, maybe go to the movies.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to sort of get the uh, creative process, like the neurons firing. Just go to the movies and don't write.
0: Okay, so they're deciding that they're going to go to the movies. Uh, they talked to Elaine on the phone, and uh, Elaine has announced that Sandra has decided to come back to
1: work. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, now that she knows that, uh, you know, she, she's, I don't know, what, why does she decide to come back to work, though? Like Jerry really talked her into it beforehand.
0: Um, I don't know. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. You would think that she would say, like, I want nothing to do with these people. Or maybe she's like, uh, what, what did I do? Why did I quit over this guy? Because he sucks.
1: Yeah, it's probably that. And and if we're we're going back now in history, like this is clearly the point where she tells like when she told Elaine she's coming back, she also told said, hey, I went out with your friend. He's a perv. This is what he said. You think so? Because. Oh, yeah. She knows this whole time. Okay. She didn't just find out the second meeting with Jerry like she's I think she uh, Elaine was had this chambered the whole time. she knew about it.
0: Wow, she had it in the vault.
1: She had it in the vault. She was just waiting for the right you know the right time and and she was going to do it and leave on top. Whoa. Well, you know George Style, you know you, you you have the great line and you and you leave right away.
0: All right, so Jerry tells Elaine this is not somebody that you should be talking to, I don't think.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess now knowing or assuming that like she knows. That Jerry's like a freak. This is probably a funny conversation for Elaine. All right.
0: So let's go to Kramer at the Cuban embassy,
1: Akiva. Uh, yeah, right. Kramer goes to the Cuban embassy and uh, well, Kramer for sure speaks Spanish, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he has a different point, but uh, not here.
1: Uh, no, but it, it is a weird thing, right? So you go to the embassy and what you want is cigars. So, you right. know, like, how are you getting, by the way, security at a real embassy is uh A lot tougher than the Cuban embassy here.
0: It's not just like an office you could just walk into?
1: Oh, no, no. There's like probably metal detectors and it's like an airplane probably.
0: Okay. But for the Cuban embassy here, you know, you would think that maybe this isn't the first time they've gotten this request.
1: Oh, definitely not. I I guess probably like maybe not so officially. Maybe they're out on the street like they're at a bar and they say, hey, I work at the the Cuban embassy. Like, hey, can you hook me up with some cigars? Do you think people are actually have like the nerve to like show up at the embassy and like uh do you guys sell cigars is there a gift shop here
0: <laughs> Cuban embassy <laughs> gift shop Okay but apparently the jacket comes back into play here and uh the jacket that uh wh- who was the name of the guy that had this jacket
1: Do you remember Uh well uh, a uh, boyfriend
0: Yes I okay. don't remember his name Okay and so the Cuban guys like the jacket and boy Um, this is quite a trade because the jacket has powers. You could pick up a lot of women with the jacket.
1: Uh, yeah, I I do like that. They're also, this is like a nice callback that they, you know, they're bringing instead of just a random trade of something we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. I like that. They're bringing up the jacket.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that Kramer is, uh, I can't believe he's considering giving up the jacket after all the trouble that he went through back in season three, but apparently he's willing to make that trade. He likes golf that
1: much. I mean, he's a real, you know, addict. So he with these cigars, like that's all he's been thinking about. he keeps going in asking George, uh, you know, so that makes sense to me just because he's so obsessed with, uh, you know, with with getting these Cubans. I, I don't know if he's more obsessed with the Cubans or with the Gulf.
0: I don't know. Um. All right. So let's get into the real meat of all this. Uh, let's go back to Susan's apartment and. You know, and we set up in the last scene that George had to go by Susan's uh, parents' house to drop off her sunglasses. I mean, they they really just like threw something out there, and we're just going to go with it because th- that that who would go that far for sunglasses?
1: Uh, you know, I wouldn't.
0: Yeah, they go drop off, and Jerry would go along with that on this errand.
1: Well, that's the thing; they're so desperate not to write
0: <laughs> that they'll go bring
1: Susan her sunglasses. He'll do anything not to write.
0: Okay, so we have some new characters here. Uh, we have Brother Ricky. He's home from college.
1: Uh, yeah, Susan's brother, who's m- way younger than her.
0: Yes. Is he way younger than her? I feel like, you know... She's how old NBC is
1: executive already. I feel like, what, is she 32? She's probably closer to like 34, 35. Okay, all
0: right. Well, here's Brother Ricky. He's home from college. Um, George tells him that he should consider podiatry.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's really into uh, he's really into this podiatry stuff. He's, yes. you know
0: he has a lot of respect for anybody that works with the foot.
1: Respects respects the foot.
0: Yeah, and then we have the aunt here, who then very quickly says he doesn't look like me.
1: Yeah, I like that they they told her the same thing, like, "Oh, you'll never believe it, uh, <laughs> Susan's boyfriend." Susan's boyfriend. Like and then, by the way, like they must be disappointed, like they're these wealthy people. Susan's coming home, and they say like a writer, <laughs> and then it's like the schlubby guy. Who uh, who looks like, you know, the grandma or the aunt, you know, the aunt.
0: Yeah. And then we also get a very funny sequence that I, I thought with Susan's mom is fighting with the aunt over whether the aunt wiped her wheels when she came
1: into the house. I mean, this is funny, but this is also really dark. <laughs> yes. Why? Why do you feel like it was so dark? Well, she takes her sister-in-law <laughs> and she's so upset about the wheels. She puts her in a corner. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's like that's not really, you know, and like nobody notices and it's never discussed. Yeah, that's a kind of a crazy thing to do
0: But that. uh, The aunt can't get out of the corner in the wheelchair.
1: Even uh, listen, I'm sure she can. You don't have a problem with this.
0: I didn't feel like they were going super dark. I feel like that they were just making the joke of like, you have to wipe your feet before you came in the house. She didn't wipe her wheel before she came into the house,
1: I guess. But uh, knowing what we know that she's basically an alcoholic and, you know, they're making her out to not be likable. I don't know. Uh
0: (laughs) But anyway, it's just such an odd, like, throwaway thing that sort of, like, doesn't pay off. It's just uh, kind of a crazy thing that's going on in this scene. And so the man from the insurance company brings a box. That was the only thing that was saved from the fire. And Susan starts reading these letters. Akiva, what, what do the letters say?
1: Uh, you want me to read them, uh, like, verbatim?
0: <laughs> I don't know if you, well, what do you
1: have? What do you have? Well, dear Henry. Uh, and this is from John Cheever, of course, the right, famous not writer. from Akiva. No, no, it's not from me. Or, or, but, uh, dear Henry, last night with you was bliss. He fears his orgasm, and then, like the audience, kind of hushes, has left him a cripple. <laughs> wow. He doesn't know how he shall ever get back to work. <laughs> and George and Jerry's reaction at this point is priceless. No.
0: Yeah, and th- this is the whole scene is great. And then uh, the dad comes out. Um, and uh, there's a little like you and John Cheever. Uh, I think that's what uh, brother Ricky says that. And he says, uh, I loved him deeply in a way you could never understand. And he runs away with his letters.
1: Yeah, it's just all over. He's like so matter of fact about it. He doesn't fight it. He doesn't say like, oh, it's a different Henry. It wasn't me.
0: Yeah. who? Those weren't my letters.
1: <laughs> I also like when he's reading the letter at the end. He says, P.S. Love the cabin. And they yeah, get loves- George and Jerry both at the same time. Like, yep. That yeah. makes sense.
0: Makes sense. Okay. And they're like, we really should be going. And so, um, you know, the ballad of, you know, the horror that Susan's relationship with George has taken on this family uh, only continues to progress. You know, it started with Susan just got thrown up on. We've progressed to now the burn down of the cabin, the cabin is burned. Uh, then after that, now we find out that Susan's father was, uh, in a homosexual relationship, maybe while he was married. We don't know. Um, with, with a man. And this was a big secret that he's trying to hide,
1: but the timeline's not clear.
0: Timeline is not clear. And it will only get worse from here. Yes. Yes. Much, much worse. All right. So we go back to Jerry and George, they're back to writing. And, uh, They've uh, added in uh, how's it going to the script.
1: Uh, Yeah, they're really, at this point, they'll be done by, uh, you know, season nine. They'll be finished with this first episode.
0: Okay. And here comes Elaine, and she's pissed. She says that Jerry cost her $429 because Sandra squealed to Lipman about her long-distance calls.
1: Yeah, that was low of Sandra.
0: That was low, and that was high of Elaine. I mean, how many hours could she be talking on the phone? I mean, I don't know how much... It costs a minute in 1992 to talk on the phone,
1: but still, maybe it was a dollar a minute. A dollar a minute, still 429 minutes. I mean, that's you know that's not that long in the scheme of you know like a month of talking.
0: Yeah, okay. And so she blabbed, and Jerry wants to know: Did she say anything else though?
1: Right. I think 429 dollars is low for Jerry for Elaine not to find this out. Right. How high is Jerry going to? You know, if, if it's if it means Elaine, you know him sort of being happy just that Elaine doesn't find out about the panties your mother laid out for you. $16,000. Really? He'd go to 16000 <laughs> Whatever money he was going to get. It's not a direct correlation. This isn't a, it's not like she, it would be one thing if it was blackmail and Sandra was saying, give me 16 grand and I won't say it to Jerry. Okay, fine. He has to assume that Elaine doesn't know yet, but just paying for this bill doesn't mean that Sandra who works in the same office as Elaine isn't going to tell Elaine or tell her friends and it's going to get back to Elaine the next day.
0: Mm, yeah, fair fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but I think that Jerry is just happy to be done with this. And, yeah, like, he thinks he's out of the woods. He thinks he's out of the woods. Okay, so did she say anything else? Like, no, she just left and Jerry's like, beautiful. And it looked like this was going to be like the TV thing where Elaine wasn't going to hear him say that. But uh, she's like, why was that beautiful?
1: Right, and you know that's a pet peeve of mine.
0: Yes, yes. Well, they, they, you didn't have to worry about it here.
1: No, here it doesn't happen.
0: Okay. All right. So we see Kramer in the hallway with his new friends, and uh, they're heading up to Westchester.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, what's it called? They're, uh, they are smoking cigars. And again, now we don't have to count the cigars. We were back to uh, however many they, they have. Can they? But so cigars are illegal. The Cuban cigars are illegal in America. But if you work for the embassy, you can just smoke them out in the open, like diplomatic how do the laws community, work? Akiva. Um, I, I do think uh, with you know, I guess diplomatic community. So you could just go on the street, smoke a bunch of those. Can you sell them? Can can you st- Can you open up a stand like on if you Park have Avenue? The DI, you could do whatever you want. You could kill somebody. You really can. Yeah, that's, you that's could pay saying. your housekeeper like two dollars an hour. <laughs> yes, that happened. Like it was like a big scandal. Like, a yeah, that's day. why diplomat is the best job. Um. I had a I had a student who, uh, when I was teaching uh, high school and he was absent one day and the kids asked if they could call him. I had like a double period where I was teaching them. there was only a few kids in the class. It was a small class. Yes. And they said, can we call this kid? We'll say his name was uh, George. And they said, can we call George, um, who uh, was 15 years old, um, was uh, did not have a driver's license, but he claimed when they called him and they had him on speaker that he was driving. And then the kid... <laughs> The kid says like, oh, and like clearly the kid was lying to them, but he was one of these kids like He was so cool, like in their eyes, they thought they would just believe anything he said. And then he yells like, hold on, I got to go. The cop is watching while I'm on the phone. And like, clearly he wasn't actually on the phone while this kid was driving because he's 15, didn't have a car anyway. Oh, no big deal. The kid turns to me after uh, he gets off the phone. The kid who's in my class and says, why would George care if the cop was there? He has diplomatic immunity. Whoa. So the kid had convinced the whole class that he had diplomatic immunity. Wow, yeah, it was a pretty smart kid. <laughs> smart kid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I got to figure out a country that I feel like I could be a good diplomat to.
1: Yeah. What would be? I'm. The thing is, like, it, would do you want to go there or you want to stay here? Because technically, if you're a diplomat, if you know what I mean, it works the other way. Like, if you want to be like the Austrian ambassador, you have to go to Vienna. Uh. All right. If you want to come to the city, you have to be from Austria. And then they station you in New York. See, New York is the plum gig. If you look, if you look on like the lit on Wikipedia, the list of ambassadors it, for any I'm, I'm not just making comment about this president. It's for any president. Um, it, it, if you look at the list, it's like the ambassador to Bermuda. And it, if you click on his name, it's like Barack Obama's college roommate, George Bush's college roommate. And it's like the real countries. It's like the actual career diplomats. But the fun countries like Aruba, it's like a guy, just a random guy who gave Obama a lot of money or, you know, not just Obama, any president. Wow. Um, it's just, it's, you know, so that's the, the key is you don't want to become a president. You want like, like if Johnny Fairplay becomes president and he is like, you call him up and like, Hey Johnny, uh, how about, uh, you know, I, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to go to France for a couple of years. Can I become the ambassador to France?
0: And he would say, yes.
1: I mean, I don't know. I don't know your relationship with Johnny Fairplay in this scenario. But, it used to be. Uh, oh. Yeah.
0: But isn't that one of the real countries that he would want to have a real diplomat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I w- But I was... Again, the Fair Play administration is all, you know... No,
1: they, because we have a good relationship with France, so that, that would be fine to be the French... You could be the French ambassador.
0: They get it's, pissed about stuff, though.
1: I guess, but, it, 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 like, ultimately, it's an ally. Like, okay, you want to you go, like, Argentina or Brazil or somewhere where, like, it's a little, you know, they're... you know, Still. I mean, where do you, you want to go to the Caribbean? Where You could be ambassador anywhere, Rob. Where do you want to be the ambassador? Canada. Really? Yes. You could just move to Canada, Rob.
0: <laughs> well, but <then> I, <laughs> then I have a diplomatic immunity, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, I that's like if you could be the ambassador to any country, you'd want to do Canada.
0: <laughs> I don't want to really go anywhere. I feel like. Uh...
1: So you want? Why don't you go get Canadian citizenship and then somehow become <laughs> the ambassador to the United States? Okay. <laughs> and then you could live in the city as the Canadian ambassador to the United States. I don't know. With I, your diplomat, what what are you doing that you need diplomatic immunity anyway? <laughs> I want a double park. <laughs> is that it? And jaywalk. You could just like become friends with a couple of cops, probably.
0: Okay, all right. Well, I'll look into that. All right. All right. So we see Kramer with all uh, the Cuban guys in the hallway. I feel like they're trying to like make a joke here. They're like, "Hey, is that is that like? Are they trying to say like one of the guys is Castro? What? What?
1: No, I don't think there's a Castro joke there. No. Okay. Well, what are they doing there? Well, they're just they're like I think they're on their way out. Or they're just maybe smoking in the hall because so it doesn't want to smell up his apartment. I'm yeah, not sure. but they act
0: like they know, they recognize one of the people.
1: I mean, there is, I, I think, no, I think it's just because the smoking's is illegal. So they realize they've kind of been caught with these cigars. And also they're making like this shady deal that they could get fired from their jobs for. Okay. I, that's, that's how I sort of uh, read it.
0: Got it. All right. So we see that George is reading The Falconer by uh, John Cheever. Um, Classic. Yes. Have you read that book?
1: No, come on. Okay. I remember uh, Falconer was George Clooney's name on his first television show.
0: <laughs> and so uh, is it Elaine that asks, Oh, have you ever read any of his stuff? Uh, and Jerry's like, No, I've read, I've read some of it.
1: <laughs> That's again, yeah, I've read uh, something.
0: Yeah. All right. And then ultimately, the, the big finale is that Elaine is going to walk out and just so to go swing by uh, her mom that she has some panties laid out for her. And then the audience just goes nuts.
1: Yeah, the audience really eats that up. It's delivered perfectly. Uh, Elaine says in the, in the uh, you know, the extra inside, inside look yeah. that, uh, you know, that she did it a few times and every time it like, you know, blew the house down. Um, I, I, you know, I, this is, it's like, uh, it's, it's like the walkabout episode of Lost where you find out in the last, in the last cut that, that Locke uh, can't walk, right? Yes. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like, whoa. The blogs would have been blowing up if they existed in 1992. It was a great
0: joke to close out the episode.
1: Yeah, the so far, probably the best closing we've had.
0: Yeah. And then, ultimately, uh, Jerry talks a little bit more about Dirty Talk and the point of is the Dirty Talk just there to spice up the conversation, or is the sex just there to spice up the conversation?
1: Yeah, and he has to mention the phone machine. Continuing yeah. the streak, we're now at 47 episodes in a row.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I have sex waiting, which... I don't know. I don't know if that really holds up either.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Akiva, could this episode, could the Cheever letters happen in 2015?
1: Um. So what? I mean, I guess no. A lot of these people are dead, probably. But um, <laughs> I think like, who's dead? I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know if any of them. Right. Hopefully, they're all alive. I. I. Uh, no fun facts this episode. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah. I mean, Cubans are still illegal, right? Yes. Uh, but I, they won't be illegal soon, probably yeah. because we're we're starting ties Things with Cuba. Things are flying in with Cuba. It, it's too bad we don't we don't smoke, Rob. Too bad. It would be very exciting. Yes. Uh, they still have podiatrists. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm there's nothing really here. Yeah,
0: nothing is particularly uh, linked to this time and a place. No. Um, I wonder if maybe something with like Jerry could just text Elaine or email Elaine. Hey, could you call me? To get yeah, that was to what Sandra. I was thinking. That's
1: probably uh, the biggest phone. change you can make. Yeah.
0: But that being said, um, pr- pretty much the Cheever letters uh, could still happen in 2015. Okay, what about the rankings for this episode, Akiva?
1: Yeah, so we're not going as high as last week where we had our first top 10 episode. Uh, I like the Cheever letters. I think it's an underrated episode. I do think, as we said before, if this was called something like the Dirty Talk, which is the name both of us came up with, I think we're talking about, you know, an episode that's considered an above-average episode. Uh, It has its moments. The end is really good, but, you know, there's too much of Jerry and George just sitting around the the Cuban embassy that doesn't really work. And the parents are a little too crazy. So I have this at 102.
0: 102. Okay. That's about right. I mean, I feel like of the season four episodes that we talked about, I feel like this one doesn't really stand out. Usually... Like, I can tell if it's going to be a good episode or not if I really remember the plot of the episode before we start watching it. And, and, like, I remember when we said, okay, Cheever Letters, I didn't really exactly remember what this episode was about. And then, you know, I think that the scene where, you know, we have the reveal of the Cheever Letters is great. And the scene with George and Susan at dinner with the introduction of Susan's parents is very good. And then, yeah, that closing joke really hits. But other than that, you know, the rest of the episode is just sort of like uh, standard fare.
1: Yeah, forgettable. I think it's one of the least famous episodes, certainly of the fourth season. Okay.
0: All right. Akiva, now, before we get into the feedback from this episode, uh, you were telling me right before we came on that you worked on a special list. Everybody loves Akiva's lists.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know how to, how to uh, you know classify what I did. but Blog. How about that? It was a kind of a blog. It's on medium.com. Which uh, is, you know, it's a little bit like Tumblr, but it's more of like a cleaner uh, interface. And um, I, ba- I had this thought, you know, I was reading the um, comments online. I always like to do research about the episode. And I saw a couple people said like, oh, the cheaper letters. That's one of my favorite episodes. I was thinking like, really, that's not even in my top 100. Uh, and then it got me thinking, Rob, that is every single episode of Seinfeld, all 180 episodes, is every single episode somebody's favorite episode?
0: Yes. And we now have Akiva's unnecessarily exhaustive review of Twitter's favorite Seinfeld episodes.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's right. It rolls off the tongue. The a great title. Um, and uh, so I went through all 180, including the clip shows and everything. Uh, so, for example, this episode, The Cheever Letters, at Elok Blair, Roger Smith tweets, the Cheever Letters is the best episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> wow. Now, sometimes there's more. Like uh, last week's was the Bubble Boy at Eat di, Do Right. Uh, I'm so crushed, just realized Seinfeld episode was Bubble Boy. Found it with three minutes left. De- devastated, best episode ever. Okay, fair enough. So, um, you know, so you have stuff like that. Uh, you know, the contest episode of Seinfeld is quite possibly the best episode of any television program ever made. Uh, there are, uh, you know, of the 180 episodes, about a dozen or so that I could not find, and Lord knows I tried. Uh, I, I started, Rob, I'm very good with searching for things. I'm not good at, as you know, a, a lot of things, but I'm right. very good at searching for things on the internet, especially I'm good with Twitter search. So, for instance, if I was looking up, you know, the Kenny Rogers Chicken Roaster episode called The Chicken Roaster, if, if I searched Seinfeld Chicken Roaster and Best, or Seinfeld Chicken Roaster and Favorite, I'd get something like Al, Al Dukes, actually the uh, wow. from WFAN yes. saying uh, my favorite Seinfeld episodes on TBS right now, Kenny Rogers roaster. Very easy, right? Yes. An episode that's popular done and done the first hundred. I mean, I went in order, but the, the easy hundred took, Did you know, you no Al time Dukes at all. That he was uh, mentioned in your blog. I didn't tell him yet. Although I saw already because I, I uh, posted it on Twitter just before we went on. I already saw t- uh, Chester was like mentioning it to a couple people jokingly. Yes. um, So uh, he may, you know, he may, he may find out. Because a couple of people said, like, this is my favorite episode as as of now. So he was like, Chester was inquiring if uh, if it's still their favorite episode. Okay. Because it was like five years ago. Anyway, um, so there were a couple episodes where it was like, this is one of my favorites. Diplomat Club. One of my favorite field episodes currently on. Diplomats Club. Kramer at its finest. Uh, and then there was like the robbery. You know, some of the first 15 episodes uh, really couldn't find anything nice. But how about this, Rob? Episode four, Mail on Bonding. And I, you know we, we're not fond of that episode, right? Yes. Uh, I wrote, generally considered the series' worst offering, but not according to Rory. At Rory Lockhart tweeted, Mail on Bonding. Favorite episode of Seinfeld. Hashtag Joel Hornick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so there's something for everyone, Rob. Wow. What about the Stranded? Okay, I got to get there. This page does take a long time to load. The I embedded 180 tweets. Uh, and the site, which is like, I think like a hundred, like it's a very, you know, like it's a startup that that's pretty renowned, but I think, uh, you know, I, I emailed them and I tweeted at them, but no, no, you know, they didn't get back to me, which I'm not so impressed about. I, I think, uh, you know, 180 embedded tweets probably is too much. load. if you press refresh, I was told it gets better. It gets better. Anyway, uh, the strand that you asked about episode 27 at John Enzaldi favorite episode of Seinfeld, the stranded on TBS right now. Maybe the dingo ate your baby.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> hard to stop me here on the other <laughs> on maybe the dingo ate your baby.
1: Well, he didn't say a hashtag. I was just playing it up there. Okay. The alternate side. One of my favorite moments: Jerry and Elaine talking over Owen's comatose body. It's Seinfeld's all time best. Wow. So listen, you could Seinfeld's popular enough. The baby shower. Needs, uh, we got to go back up the bay. Yeah, listen. Anything we got? Well, there are a few that, that uh, we don't have. Okay, so The Baby Shower. The Baby Shower is definitely one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes. So that's tepid. Okay. The Dog? Okay, so I had The Dog as someone saying my favorite, and then I realized they were talking about uh, the episode where Kramer takes the dog medicine when the dog is coughing. Yes, okay. So I had to move that around. I was very excited to find... You You can't even... Oh, so you can't even imagine how much time I spent, Rob, with like the last 15 episodes. I was Googling classic jokes from the episode plot points. I found some of them, but at a certain point, I realized like uh, it, wasn't you know, gonna it was, not going to happen. no, it probably would have if I kept going. But, you know, uh, it was enough. It was How already getting did s- this take you. It, it took me like four or five hours. The problem was that I embedded the tweets improperly and had to go back and do all 180 tweets again.
0: Oh, my God. Um, did you post this on the Seinfeld Reddit?
1: I posted it already on the Seinfeld Reddit.
0: OK, I'll upvote it
1: yeah uh, um i no one had commented before i just did all this right before we went on the air i tweeted it people already like it i got some nice messages from uh from people in emails uh, uh though, so here's the dog rob i should be sleeping but the dog episode of seinfeld is on kramer breaking up with his girlfriend far full prognosis negative hashtag classic so not somebody's favorite but but people classic. like it classic. yeah wow. even even if you do a clip show like the last clip show, the Seinfeld Chronicles, right? Episodes uh, 177 and 78. I think the Seinfeld Chronicles might be the best thing ever. It's just bits and pieces from the absolute funniest episodes. God, I love it.
0: God, I love it. Okay. Yep. Wow. All right, Akiva. that uh, You've stumbled onto something here.
1: <laughs> it's definitely something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into the emails. Of course, the emails come in every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. And uh, we have uh, a couple of emails here about the Cheever letters. And let's start with Travis Amendinger. Uh, Travis says, Hey guys, the standout scene in this episode is the dinner party with Susan's parents, who are just unbelievably awful. I don't know if you guys have similar stories about meeting your to be in laws for the first time, but as a couple of guys that like to joke around, I'm sure you can relate to George's struggles to connect with the humorless Mr. Ross. George's Johnny Carson impersonation falls flat. The Fortress of Solitude reference doesn't land either. What's your call in this situation? Just excuse yourself to the restroom and leave altogether. Uh, P.S. Cherish the cabin. <laughs> uh, so Akita, have you had a situation like this?
1: No, I, it's a very good question. My, I'd say my experience, and I, I don't know about your strategy, Travis. I think if you leave in the middle of dinner, that's basically, you, you know, you're calling that one off.
0: Yeah, I think so. This isn't a first date, right?
1: No, 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 no. You're meeting the parents already. Like you're just you're gonna keep meeting girls and then getting to the parent stage. And if you don't like them that first time, you're done immediately. It's yeah. over.
0: Also, George has a deal with Susan at NBC right now. He can't Yeah, just yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Right. I mean, but he's dating someone he works with. There's so many problems with that, right? Right. I think for me, I was so young. I was uh I was uh like eighteen or nineteen when I met my future wife's parents. I I was too stupid to even be nervous. I should have been nervous, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even realize like uh, they were grownups. We weren't like equals, you know. Uh, right. So it's a different. What about you? It's I would say I you know I I'm too young to have had this kind of situation.
0: Yeah, I've rarely like met with people that are like too stuffy. If anything, like I I'm like meeting with people who are like more fun than I am.
1: Right. But what about uh, the in laws? When you met the in laws for the first time? Yeah.
0: My in-laws are nothing like uh, George and, or Susan and whatever uh, Mr. Ross's name. There
1: aren't a lot of people like the Rosses on, in Wontaw.
0: Yeah, that is not what my in-laws are like at all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's take a question from uh, Ryan. Uh, Ryan has a couple of observations for us. He so says, um, did you notice that when Jerry is on the phone and George asks, think up ideas, George gives Jerry the middle finger? In case you missed it, check it out. It's pretty blatant. Wow.
1: Yeah, I didn't notice. Did you not? I missed it. I did I not it. notice.
0: Yes. Um, also, uh, Ryan says, the funniest line by far in the episode is, wear some more lipstick. Yeah, you like that. Yes. And then also, uh, he said that it's a point of cherishing the cabin is in line with respecting wood, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, they even mentioned the wood, right? When they're talking about building the cabin. Oh, I did. I forgot to mention maybe my favorite line of the whole episode, Rob. Yes. Uh, at the beginning, when they're talking about the cabin and how they've burned it down and how it's probably not such a big deal, right? They, Jerry says, it's a, it's a cabin made out of wood. Like, two guys could go right now yeah. and rebuild the new one. like, wait, Actually, not <laughs> us, but two men could. <laughs> yeah. Also, which I feel, do you think you and I, like, if we went up right now, We have the materials. We're in like upstate New York. How long would it take us to build a cabin? Three weeks. Oh, I was going to say infinity. Like, I I don't know. I
0: built a house out of sticks before.
1: Oh, okay. Well, if you tell me, I'm not like going to sit there. If you tell me what to do, I'll do it. But, you know, I don't know to use like a hammer. I don't be Right. I don't. I mean, if you I don't know what to do, like you'd have to literally, you know, give me like, uh, you know, I don't know how you make it
0: airtight. Like, I feel like you could sort of like I get the general idea.
1: Yeah, I don't even like, I wouldn't even know where to start. I don't have any tools. I don't, I don't know anything about this. stuff. Well, I thought everything would be there already. Yeah. But what am I going to do? Like, I don't even, when was the last time I hammered a nail? Never. Like, I don't know this stuff. I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I probably wouldn't be your ideal. Like, if you do have to ever build a cabin, I shouldn't be your first, you're like, your phone a friend. Oh,
0: well, there goes that idea.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't ask me.
0: Okay. Uh, this is from Amir. Who says, uh, I never really thought about it by now, but it's amazing how much fire has a crucial role in Seinfeld. Uh, In these episodes, Kramer inadvertently burns down the Ross's cabin. In The Secret Code, Jerry accidentally starts a fire that destroys and Larry's. Uh, In The Fire, George pushes everyone uh, over at the party and and leaves them for dead. In The Busboy, Elaine's joke gets The Busboy fired. Uh, and yeah. then
1: wait is he using f- getting fired as an allegory no, but for fire burn, but then in, right, in, but then in, it, the blo- it blows up I yeah, understand up. Uh,
0: yeah. additionally uh, he might Amir might be but he's saved by the fact that there is a big fire additionally yeah. according to Putty uh, Elaine will also burn in hell for eternity as we learned in the burning even right, she's not religious. is engulfed in flame uh, when his mail truck starts a fire in uh, the pothole I wonder if the right. writers continue to use this as a tool to drive these stories
1: yeah, they love fire. And we've seen Kramer's hair catch fire already in the last few episodes. There's a really Kramer, uh, you know, has a lot of fire going on this season.
0: A lot of fire. A lot of fire. Okay. So Johnny Severa wants to let us know that uh, the writer, John Cheever, had two kids and one daughter named Susan.
1: Oh, very. I, I like, uh, did he see that in like the notes about nothing? Because I didn't notice that or if he's, if Johnny's doing his own research on the side, I'm very impressed here.
0: I think he does his own research.
1: That's impressive, Johnny.
0: He also says, if the episode was made today, Kramer would have no problem getting Cuban cigars legally since the trade embargo has been lifted since the episode first aired. So there you go.
1: Is that true, though? Is it? Do not question
0: Johnny Silvera, Akiva. No, but the
1: thing, the thing, I'm not quite, I would never question JDS, but he lives in Cuba. He doesn't like that either. He lives in, oh, he doesn't like JDS? No. Oh, I'm sorry, Johnny. They they he lives in Canada where they were they never had an embargo. How does he know all this stuff about the United States? He Cuba knows trade a law.
0: lot. He knows everything.
1: Well, I I do think uh I know that like we're on the verge, but I didn't know that the trade embargo was totally good like anyone could just get Cuban cigars. Now, I don't think that's true. Mm, maybe you have to know a guy. Yeah, I mean, I again, I know nothing and I don't smoke cigars. It's possible everyone's just smoking cigars in the street. I just I feel like I would have heard about that.
0: All right, Akiva. Great stuff this week talking about the Cheever letters and we need a hashtag.
1: Uh, yeah. So I, what, do you, what do you think about Cherish the Cabin?
0: Cherish the Cabin. I love it. Yeah. All right. So make sure you subscribe to the Seinfeld podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. We also appreciate it when you guys leave us feedback there. Uh, that helps more and more people find the show. And it also uh, makes us very happy. Akiva, what's coming up next week?
1: Uh, next, week we have an exciting one. Uh, it's the most Larry Charles episode there is. The Opera with Crazy Joe Davola.
0: The Opera with Crazy Joe Davola. Okay, that should be very exciting. Get some Pagliacci.
1: Yes, and it's a really basically the craziest episode of the whole series. It's nuts. Wow. And I know you're afraid of clowns, right, Rob? I do not like the clowns. All right, so maybe we need, uh, you know, you're going to have to look away this week.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, Akiva, uh, great stuff this week. Looking forward to uh, another episode next week when we talk about the opera. And uh, we'll be back next time. Looking forward to hearing your comments on postshowrecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Bye.